Glenfiddich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey, is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. And we're back to Right Show podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. I probably sound a little different to you um, today and will tomorrow um, as I'm on vacation, but I'm here for you. I'm, uh, I'm always working, even through vacation, the Stripe Show podcast moves on. And, um, you know, we've got a little studio final phase build out. I've been posting that on my Instagram at TravisFoldenGolf.com. So it's a good week to, to be on the road back up here uh, in my roots, just outside of Coeur d'Alene, a little town called Kellogg. This is the pro shop. When I was little, was running around and causing havoc in and learning the game and you know, all the all the tours collide this week as a professional golf rolls on the Open Championship, 150th playing. And I've been working on getting this guest on. And I think it's appropriate because he's only about a six-hour drive north of me up in one of the most beautiful parts of the world, the Banff, Canmore area in Canada. Luke Elvey, how you doing, buddy? Morning, Travis. Love to chat to you. Yeah, we could almost drive together and do this in person. We're that close, mate. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should like maybe we should meet in Bonner's Ferry, right? Just you know, right, just right there at the at the border there, play a little golf. Um, actually, I would rather just come all the way up into your neck of the woods because um, I've been up there a few times. And for those of you watching or listening right now, I mean, this is a beautiful part of the country. Northern Idaho has been kind of discovered now. Coeur d'Alene, it's kind of the who's who, you know, um, you know celebrities buying up the land there, but then you go further North and you get into Canada and you just got some of these gems in Canmore of golf courses. And of course, Banff is, is known and how beautiful it is. Um, I played Fairmont hot Springs up there. There's another course that I, I can't think of right now, but I can, I can just recall these images and they're all over the place and just how beautiful the golf is up there. Uh, it's spectacular, Travis. Obviously, being Australian, um, moving to the Canadian Rockies was a massive shift for me. <laughs> I've traded the beaches and beauty of Sydney, the harbour, where I called home for you know best part of 35 years. Now, for the Canadian Rockies, um, the golf here is spectacular. You're absolutely right. Breathtaking golf. Um, a lot of Instagram pictures, as you'd imagine, yep. with all those stunning backdrops. Um, it's been a joy to call this part home. You know, over the last seven or eight years as my career transitioned to North America. Uh, but I also like where you are right now. I think Hayden Lake, Coeur d'Alene, that northern part of Idaho, it's just mm-hmm. stunning and uh, some great people and, and a, some great golf as well. Yeah, yeah, it is great people. They love the golf here. And, you know, it's short here. I can remember um, when I was young and in high school in Kellogg, like we would I'd probably play like seven months, you know, mm-hmm. hard, you know, and then you could have another month, maybe month and a half where it's it's pretty cold. You know, you're going to, might play in snowflakes once in a while, but, um, you know, you do what you have to do, um, up here, but a lot to talk about, you know, with, with professional golf. And, um, this is, I love this time of year. I love waking up, seeing the Genesis Scottish open on, um, and then you get to roll into some more golf in the afternoon, a little celebrity golf. Mm-hmm. And of course this week you've got the open championship. And in many ways, the, these tours, are colliding this week, right? I mean, there's competition on the table. Of course, PGA Tour aligns itself further with the DP World Tour. Um, and that was a nice tournament, Genesis Scottish Open, really enjoyed that. But now you have a competitor in the LIV series, which you've got players playing in that now. And of course, they're all coming together uh, in St. Andrews. And before we get to that discussion, let me ask you about Xander here, who is uh, is turning on as of late. You know, I've been... 
there's a lot of people right now tuning in. There's like, hey, Travis, you've been a little critical of Xander um, with his game, especially late <laughs> on a Sunday. You know, I feel like Xander, you know, there's Xander that kind of leads you up to Sunday. And then when he's it's time to put a tournament away, you see a different kind of Xander. He was 0 for 5 coming into the Travelers with the lead going into Sunday. Now he's 2 for 5. He's put back-to-back away. He sandwiched the J.P. McManus charity event in the middle, so you could argue he's won three. Pretty hard field, um, that one. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, he, he he started to look a little more comfortable. I mean, he looked more comfortable to me late on a Sunday. What do you think? Open championship? Just go ahead and make a four in a row for the X-Man? Yeah. Well, things happen in threes. Um, we often re- remark on that, don't we? And if we're talking about formal events, then that would be uh, the third one in a row for Xander. Yeah. Uh, look, you're absolutely right. Um, people can, you know, be harsh at you for being critical of him uh, for um, being, you know, struggling with his ability to close on Sundays, but that's what happened for the best part of three and a half years. When he came out on the scene, in fact, his very first victory, uh, I was um, doing the job that Amanda Balionis does on, on CBS there at the Greenbrier. And he pulled that off. Davis Love was, you know, looking to become uh, the oldest man at 55 to win a PJ tour event. And uh, Xander came from behind and, and, and beat him. Um, we saw him, peel off a few victories quite quickly in his career. And we thought, oh, wow, the X-Man, you know, he's special. He's got that X factor. Right. Um, but as, you know, he started to get into his career, uh, he started to make some big mistakes when it mattered down the stretch. And look, I am fortunate enough to host holes 15 and 16 at Augusta National every year. And I t- turn the clock back just to 2021 when uh, he was playing in the final group alongside Hideki Matsuyama. And Hideki had a meltdown on uh, 15. He, he shot his second shot into the pond on 16, over the green and into the pond and made double and Xander made birdie. There was this three-shot swing. Then all of a sudden, Xander's standing on the 16th tee right in this championship with three holes to play in the tournament. And then just completely whiffs his shot, misses the target by a good 30 yards, rinses it in the water, makes triple, gone. As quick as he got into position, the moment was too much for him. And that had happened a few times for him in his career between these wins. So to see him now put a couple back-to-back on the board, obviously that Olympic gold medal was a, a nice touch in his career. Um, but the strength of field, not even remotely close to the strength of field that he's been beating here at the Travellers and also uh, the Scottish Open. So yeah. look, we've seen what he's done with all those top finishes in majors, a lot of second places, uh, a lot of contentions. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts it all together again this week because, again, the golf course is perfect for him. I mean, it, to, Xander, to me, was Colin Morikawa before Colin Morikawa came on the scene. Yeah. No, that's that, that, yeah, that's well put. And, you know, I look at it, I kind of call it like situational golf, right? Like we know all of these guys on tour are the best of the best. We get them. And then you watch them out there on tour – and you watch the players that kind of separate themselves from there, right? And to me, those are the great players. Like Morikawa is a great player. John Rahm's a great player. Justin Thomas is a great player. <clears throat> I call Xander up to the point we're seeing right now. I, I, Xander's a good player. I think mean, he's a great player. I'm not putting him in that same category. I want to see late on a Sunday major championship. I want to see him slam the door shut like he did at the Genesis <laughs> Scottish Open. That was that was encouraging to me. Xander, even at the Travelers, I felt Fagala kind of opened the door for him with the shot out of the bunker. I tried, I thought he tried too much. Xander's watching it from the tee. He knows, okay. But all the pressure was on. Xander was feeling it. You could see him struggling a little bit in the back nine, um, some tentative shots. So even there, I was like, I don't feel that different about Xander. I feel a little different about Xander this morning. I, I thought that was a, I thought that was big. I thought it was a big Sunday for him. A couple birdies coming in. 
uh, to put that tournament away. I'll say this with Xander also. I felt like, and this is how I'll transition a little bit forward here with the LIV. I felt like at the Travelers, Xander made the decision that he was going to stay with the PGA Tour. You know, a lot of these guys, they have to make a choice. And a lot of them have taken a lot of time that have been offered a significant amount of money. I think X-Man probably has been offered a significant amount of money to go over to LIV. I think he was on the fence. I think he made the decision to stay with the tour. The travelers early this week, I think a lot of times when you make the decision one way or the other, it's like the world's been lifted. Let's go play some instinctive golf. That's how I feel. How many do you think, Luke, are still in that position like Xander has been? I feel like Cantlay is still in that position where there's a decision to make. Household names. There's a decision to make. Are you going to go take the money and play some golf at the LIV, or are you going to stay with the tour? I think Xander made the decision at, at Travelers. He's staying. How many do you think are still a bit on the fence that's out there? Well, you know, that's a it's a what if. It's, it's not a question that we could genuinely answer with any right. real confidence. I'm sure right. there's plenty that have offers on the table. Um, it might be a question I'll all have to answer here very quickly because uh, the way that Liv continues to snowball um, there might not be a decision that they have to make. They just have to go. Um, or there is a meeting of the tours and LIV and they get together and they find a, a resolution. Um, it's, it's certainly not an easy scenario for any player right now because, to be fair, Travis, this isn't new. They've been dealing with this. They've had genuine you know, interest from opposition uh, tours for the last six to seven years. These PGL and uh, LIB tours have been floating around the scenes for seven years. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a, I've got to work out now. Now, this is when the money's come on the table and it's become legit now. Right. But it's been floating around the scene for a long time. And, um, you know, the fact that it's just come to the fore now is, is pertinent. What, do you, what was your reaction when, when the Open um, decided not to invite Greg Norman? I was, I was a little surprised um, mm-hmm. that they made the decision, the open championship, um, reaching out to Greg Norman, of course, the commissioner of the LIV tour, fellow Australian. And they basically said, look, you know, you're not invited stay off the property. Were you surprised? Yeah, I was. Um, I also wasn't surprised for a number of reasons, uh, but John McGuinness said it best, um, fellow media man and, uh, former PGA tour professional. He said, you don't earn an invitation to this event. You don't earn uh, a seat at the table of the champion's dinner. Sorry, you don't you know, just get given an invitation. You earn one. You have to win the Open yeah. to get into the champion's dinner or to the population of champions event, which is that lovely four-hole route, the first, second, 17 and 18 holes. And when I did it for ESPN back in 2015, that was one of the great joyful experiences of that week following Ian Baker Finch around those four holes and watching him play alongside some absolute legends of the game. Now, to uninvite someone who's won your championship twice, which, you know, we talked about at the US Open, it's the Open Championship. It is the United States Open. This is the Open Championship. You have to earn your way into it and then perform well enough or better than 155 other people to win it. It's not an easy thing to do. Greg did it twice. You know, this championship used to hang its hat on Greg Norman. He was the man. He and Nick Faldo through the 80s and 90s were the men in this championship 
for about 10 years before Tiger came along. And now they're saying, okay, Greg, um, you've made choices that we don't like. We don't want to cause a ruckus the week of our 150th celebration. So we're not going to invite you. By doing that, that caused more of a ruckus than would have if he just turned up to the champions dinner and played in that celebration of champions. Um, I, I don't applaud the decision. I think they made a mistake, but that's just my opinion. Everyone's got one and, um, you know, plenty have had their say on it. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. Yeah, those are, those are a lot of valid points there. And I think if it'd be interesting if Greg did show up, how many perhaps maybe wouldn't have showed up, right, that have been in, you know, not agreeing, obviously, with everything that happens with the LIV and what Greg um, has put forth with this tour. After, what do you mean, like, in past champions not showing up? I'm just curious, like, if there would have been past champions that wouldn't have showed up, they'd have been uncomfortable. You know, it'd be interesting to see. I think what, what's been missed in all of this, Travis, is that professional golfers play for money. They've traveled all around the world. They've moved their lives all around the world. Greg's a prime example. He had to move to the United States to play professional golf at the elite level because that's where the biggest and the best uh, fields were. That's what every professional golfer does. They don't move to another part of the world and call that home um, for FedEx Cup points. <laughs> Let's not be disrespectful, but they don't play for FedEx Cup points. They play for money. Mm-hmm. So all people are doing again now is moving somewhere else to play some money for some money. Sure. It's an astonishing amount of money, but that's what they're doing. It's not, this is the whole thing that I think everyone's missed here is that that's what professional golfers do. They play for money and they're trying to win as much as they can. When you, so when you look at the LIV, you've been, you know, fairly supportive of it, which I've, I've appreciated watching uh, and reading your stuff as you've looked at it from both sides and you've been out there, um, very comfortable in supporting LIV. And when you watch everything that's transpired um, with this tour or with this series, um, you look at, you know, everything that led up with Greg and the launch of this, you look at the events that, you know, that transpired with Phil and how those things kind of blew up with, you know, mm-hmm. Alan Shipnett's book. Um, you're now two tournaments in, right? They've played two tournaments, which, you know, look, I said last week, if they're sitting around the board at the LIV and, and Greg Norman and his team, I think they got to feel pretty good about how things are going. I mean, pulling off two events is a major undertaking in <clears> professional <throat> golf. And I think the product looked pretty good on YouTube. They've been able to attract some big names and DJ Bryson in uh, Brooks. There's a lot of critics out there. Um, I'd say I'm probably one of them, although I'm, I'm looking at it with an open mind and you look at these critics, what would you say to them as far as after all these trans, all these things have happened, two tournaments in, what, what, what's, what are we missing with the LIB? Look guys, this is, this is good stuff for professional golf. This is what we need more of in professional golf. LIV has got it right. What, what would you say those maybe one, two or three things would be? Well, before we dive into that, I just want to respond saying, you know, I haven't been vocally supportive of Liv. Um, I've just been seeing it in totality. Right. I, I don't 
have a shoe in either camp. I, I keep saying like the biggest issue I've faced with all of this is that people these days are very quick to label you something. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a live supporter. Oh, he's pro PJ tour or oh, he's a Republican or he's a Democrat. 90% of us in this world, Travis, and I firmly believe this, we're centrists. We sit in the middle. We have feet in both camps for whatever reason. We, there's certain issues we agree with on one side of the fence and certain on the other. Um, you also might have seen recently rolling around on social media is that lovely quote via Ted Lasso when he's playing darts at the end of that <laughs> episode uh, from Walt Whitman. He said, be curious, not judgmental. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the United States lives in a position right now where people are judgmental but not curious. And all I've tried to do is show people the full picture. And that's why I've been telling the stories I've been telling. Mm-hmm. It's not pro-live. It's not anti-PGA Tour. I've worked on the PGA Tour for a dozen years. In fact, I covered it for 20 years because of 10 years back in Australia. I'm very proud to be a PGA Tour broadcaster. I'm the voice of the video game. There's a lot of things that you know I love about the PGA Tour, but I'm just trying to get people to be a little bit more curious. There's a reason why for seven years, as I mentioned before, people have been coming to the table trying to disrupt the PGA Tour. There are reasons why people like Phil have been very vocal and saying, I'm out of here. I've had enough. Legends of the game, Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, couldn't get out of there quick enough. Why is that? Why are we not asking ourselves these questions? Why was Dustin Johnson? I'm gone. Why did Bryson want out? It's people wanting to leave the tour. Why aren't people asking these questions? Because they're not curious. They're quick to judge. Oh, blood money, um, murderous regime. I mean, if I mention Randall Shambly use that line one more time, their tongue will fall out of their mouth. Straight away, judgmental. No curiosity as to why this has come forward at any stage. Now, the reason why I was very quick to say, hey, take live seriously, is because I read the tea leaves. We live in a capitalistic world, right? What wins in a capitalistic world, Travis? <laughs> Money. What has always won in a capitalistic world? <laughs> Who has the most money here? But does that make it right? Does that make Travis, it right? The, the PGA Tour to the Saudis is a rounding error. They can say tomorrow, <clears throat> there you go, you're done, I'll buy out. Now, whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant. What the situation is, is that's what's on the table. Yeah. They make a billion dollars of net profit every single day out of Aramco. They own that. That's their oil com- company. They made actually 35 billion dollars last month so a little bit more than a billion dollars net per day then they own the public investment fund which is and this is where i've always had a big sticking point with all the people that have been anti-live or anti the saudis oh it's blood money i don't like where the money's coming from whatever and greg brought it up in that interview more than half of the pga tour title sponsors are invested or have dealings with the pif the week of the RBC Canadian Open, when Jay Monaghan's sitting in that tower saying 9-11, uh, 
RBC had just signed another $2 billion deal to be the official bank of PIF that same week. Does that not come across as hypocritical to you? A little bit, yeah, for sure. And Does that and, not come across as people throwing stones in glass houses? The money that these PGA Tour pros have been winning for the last 10 to 20, 15, whatever years it's been, a lot of it's been coming because of the Saudis and dealings with the Saudis. Big corporations, big governments, people have been deep in with the Saudis for a lot longer than these tour pros, a lot longer. But for some reason... PGA Tour pros taking the money, they're supporting a murderous regime. Yeah. Does that sit right with you? Let me ask you this. Let me let me ask you this, sir, because you, you said a lot there. So when you go back to Dustin Johnson, uh, Sergio Garcia, and they jumped out of there, what are they so what are they so disappointed in with the PGA Tour, do you think? Well, uh, uh, I think it's best that you ask them, Travis, because this is, you know, Phil Mickelson spoke for a lot of them when he said what he said. Now, the rest of them have just, you know, gone along quietly because Phil took the heat. But there's a lot in there that people need to read between the lines a bit. But a lot of it's, but but don't you think a lot of it is um, the media rights? Right. Like they want more. I mean, there's no professional sport that's going to give up the media rights to the individual players. I mean, that's that's what you're signing up for as you as you go into a professional organization. That's what they stand on to be able to make the platform as big as it is, which all these individuals now can build their brand within that. There's some I thought there were some big reaches when it comes to what Phil is now, as far as is is Phil a bit underpaid and should they be? Should they be taking care of some of the bigger names up top with more money? Yeah, I, I agree. I think the tour leads with their superstars, which they should. The PGA Tour, like like the NBA, is it's a superstar driven league, right? When you all you got to look at is all you got to look at, right? So, movies, I mean, well, entertainment is everything is. I mean, you go to movies, right? I think the NFL. Tom I think sixty million dollars to movie star. Yeah. One of the support guys is on a hundred grand. That's that's entertainment. That's life in general. That's how it works. CEOs of massive companies make millions and millions of dollars where the workers are making 45K a year. It's what happens. More so in, in golf, more so in the NBA. I think the NFL leads a little bit different. I think the Major League Baseball is a little bit different. Certainly, you need superstars, but they're, they're designed a little bit different um, around the franchises, around the cities. Right. Where golf, it's a it's a driven league. I mean, the Corn Ferry Tour is not anywhere near the size of the PGA Tour. Why is that? The players. Right. The superstars. But I, I find it interesting that I hear what you're saying on, you know, all of this money in the capitalistic world. I get all that. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make that those intentions are what's best for the professional game. With that said, with that said, and I look at players like. Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, um, Sergio Garcia, even to some degree. I see them at late in their career. They're having a hard time being competitive on the PGA Tour. Graham McDowell said it. I don't want to finish 150th anymore. I'm going to go make some money. Right. So I just want to go make some money. Right. I get that. Um, but when you look at the signing bonuses that these guys are making, right, and the reason that they're jumping, 
the reason that they're jumping is 99.9% of the signing bonus. It's guaranteed money. There is no other reason, in my mind at least. I mean, they can sit there and say, well, the schedule only have to play eight to 12 events a year. Well, yeah, you're looking at, you only have to play eight to 12 events a year because of the signing bonus, right? If, 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 if it was strictly scheduled, then hold on one sec. If it was strictly scheduled and there was no signing bonus and you were just playing for $20 million, I don't think these guys would go. I don't think Brooks would go. I don't think Bryson would go. None of these guys would go. So to me, this schedule, right? Yeah, we can, we can be, we can spend more time with their family. And you hear that as a justification of why they left the tour, right? Like that's in my mind, what I'm hearing from the players to answer your question is, is because of the schedule. We spend more time with the tour. We don't have to play as much. And I've, and I've been a critic of the PGA tour. I think they ask a lot of their players. I mean, there's no break in the schedule, Luke. I mean, you finish the FedEx cup and one week later, you're starting another season. It's like, my goodness, my brain's about ready to explode. But the reason, at least in my mind, that DJ left, Bryson left, Brooks left, is a hundred million plus guarantee in money. Of course it is. Of course that's it. Is. That's not even in question. Yeah. But to your point there, and I get asked this all the time, and, and I've been asked by a couple of the top announcers on the PGA Tour when I've worked with them on the tour. They said, well, what's happened to the Australian Tour? That used to be so good. I said, this tour happened to the, P- the Australian Tour. The Australian Tour used to run from October through to March. Epic. You'd have Gary Player... Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, you know, greats of American golf and world golf would Seve would come and play in these major events in Australia because they needed to build themselves up to get ready for the PGA Tour that started in March and went through to September. But now the PGA Tour goes, well, if we can control the entire calendar, then we'll have this monopoly. So that forces all the great players of the world to have to move and live in America or play in America and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So all those players from countries like England, you know, South Africa, Australia, uh, Spain, Germany with Martin Keimer, a lot of these guys are like, Phew, I get to be where I want to be now, make silly money, and I'm working 12 to 14 weeks a year. Does that yeah. sound good to you? <laughs> of course it does. Name me one human on planet who'd go, no, thanks, I don't want to borrow that. Yeah. And that's really the conversation. Now, now that the PGA Tour has not only genuine competition, they've got a rival they cannot beat. They've got a rival they cannot beat. And even Jay Monaghan said, if this is a war about money, we are unarmed. They've got nukes, we've got knives. Right. So he's accepted that. So he's gone to the layer of but Saudi Arabia. Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee, only roast, top quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here i think the um, before you move on travis yeah, go ahead and so for the players they've now had to become politicians because the people from america who might be losing their tour aren't happy about that 
yet all of these other world tours, South Africa, the world tour in terms of the European tour, the Australian tour, the Asian tour, they're almost defunct. They're almost non-existent. They're extinct because of the PGA Tour. But now it might happen to the PGA Tour, so people are up in arms. This was an outrage. The PGA Tour did it to all those other tours because of having the most money. Yeah, it's interesting. There's like there's a couple layers in there, right? I, I find myself talking to this from a someone like yourself in the business, right? Like, so I'm in the business. I'm covering the PGA Tour. I'm covering the DP World Tour. I'm interested in the world landscape of professional golf, right? Like, it's it's a big part of my business, and I want to be able to look at that in its its totality. And then I look at it as I'm a fan of golf, right? I'm a I'm a I play golf. Um, my kid who just walked by loves golf. Um, I'm a fan of golf, right? Even when I'm not, even, will. right? Even I when will. I'm not working, I'm watching and, and a fan of golf. So, so I've got like these two buckets. It's deep in me. our heart. Yeah, yeah. right. It's yeah. deep. It's deep. Yeah, yeah. And I think you make a lot of valid points on the PGA Tour and how they did in many ways. That well, they they did weaken the European Tour. They weakened the Australian Tour. And all of these players are coming to the United States to play on the PGA Tour. Why? Because it was the most amount of money. And the second reason why it, it was capitalism. It, it, and the second reason why it was the best competition, right? And the so that's why this is the most money. What's well, the best competition? Right. So right now, as we see it, though, if it was all about money, then all the competition would be going over to the Live Tour, and it very well may. Right. It, it, it the very, early stages yeah. of disruption. Yeah, it, it, it early stages of it very well met. But the competition aspect of this, and I think this is where I get queasy, uncomfortable. And it's okay. Like I think part of it, like it's okay to be uncomfortable with this situation, right? There's a lot of layers to this. I think in one say, like from a capitalistic world, this is business. And they're throwing they have more money and they're being able to, to, to attract people over there, and that's fair game. I think those are valid points. Mm. Um, I also think it's I also think it's fair to understand that this LIV investment group and this Saudi Arabia regime and, and, and the things that they've done, right, to be very uncomfortable with that and understand that, look, you put oil in your car, right? You got that from Saudi Arabia. Well, that's not the exact same thing as supporting, you know, just because you you have and maybe your hands forced to be a part of something over here that this group is is an investor in and a part of doesn't mean you have to fully support what's happening over here with them. Like I, I get, I get really PO'd by that. Well, that's, you're being, you know, you're, you're, you're saying two different things. You're going to support, like, I don't really have a choice in, in many ways, right? Like I got to put yeah, gas I think in what's, I think what's most important there, Travis, is understanding. And this is where I think there's been a lack of curiosity. It's been more judgmental. Yeah. A lack of curiosity of, well, how complicit am I in all of this? What is it that allows the world to go around the Western world? It's money. And what people do is they align themselves with money. Now, there are a number of people involved in the PGA Tour making an astonishing amount of money out of the Saudi Arabian situation. There are an astonishing amount of people in Europe making a lot of money out of the Saudis. Why is it okay for them to do it as corporations or governments, but it's not okay for an individual to do it. This is the thing that's been really hard to accept through the whole. It's been more than a debate. Yeah, um, but I can, you know, but I, but I can, why is that? 
I can be supportive and consume over here that has that LIV group a part of that. But it doesn't mean that I have to then come over here and be supportive in every other decision they make. And that's kind of like the political lines, right? Like you're you're the Republican or Democrat. And now, see, that's that's my point. Yeah, not, right. This yeah. whole divisiveness right. is not, like, you're you not have a Republican to... or a Democrat. Right. You, you can have feet in both camps. Yeah. And most of us in the world, Travis, do. This is the issue that I have with everyone. You're not just a Republican. You're not just a Democrat. We are people. Yeah. We exist in a big world that is not just the United States of America. Yeah. I think the, I think the, I, I've, I've really been more, I've been very open-minded um, with the LIV. And I think they're making headway. I think they're doing all the, obviously they have a lot of money. They should be making headway. When you have that much money, you should be making headway, right? In anything that you endeavor to do. I mean, they're coming in and there's this hijacking of professional golf. I have a, I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm uncomfortable with that. Like, and it's only I, a hijacking because the PGA Tour came out and said, we're banning every person that goes. Whereas when Greg Norman came along and said, hey, we're not trying to hijack golf. We just want to offer another competition within the game. And for that to be, we're going to play eight to 10 events a year. And that, that leaves them to play another 20 if they want to elsewhere. They can. And that was the PGA Tour's biggest line in the sand moment. When they said it is a ban, a blanket ban to everyone who goes, then that was like, okay, now we're putting up the battle lines. Now we're drawing that you're either on that side or this side, as opposed to people can coexist within the whole world. Now, this might not make sense to a lot of your audience because it's a global sport, but cricket went through this recently with the I was reading your post, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So World Series cricket went what happened back in the 70s and 80s, an Australian called Kerry Packer. He upset the establishment, brought in more money, wanted to revolutionise the game, change it up. He he managed on winning. The establishment finally came cap in hand and said, okay, you win, we're going to go down this path. But more recently, India, a nation of 1.1 billion people, cricket mad. There is one sport in India and it's cricket. You want to talk about another sport in India? It doesn't exist to them. They are cricket mad. And they created this competition called the IPL, the Indian Premier League, which is 2020 cricket. It's a version of, a smaller version of cricket. It goes for about three hours, a bit like a game of baseball. Mm-hmm. And it makes billions of dollars. And all the other cricket boards around the world said, well, we can't compete with the money. So why don't we break off a three-month window in the year so this can go on, so our players can go and make some money over there, then come back and play on out to us. So we don't lose. No one loses. Everyone wins. And that's what they did. Mm-hmm. And it's working beautifully. It's a massive success. And everyone's happy. The big guys get richer because they're the best players in the world. And the people who have other tours still continue on being on a tour. Yeah. Everyone wins. But the PGA Tour said, absolutely not. Not a chance. We own golf. Bad luck. You got to live. It's over. I think they had to, they though. Do. I think, like, let's, so let's, let's talk but about Travis, that. Travis, what does that do? I think from a business oh, yeah. standpoint, though, because they, they know, but they know that they don't have the funds to compete, right? So they, they know, they know. Anyway, why not try and salvage what you got? I don't, and I think that's, I think that's an interesting point. And I think that's where this is all going now is will Commissioner Monaghan sit down and talk, right? I think that's where this is going. Like, will there be conversations between 
Greg and Jay. I think with Greg, it's difficult. Like, I think, I think he wants to put him out. I don't think he wants to work with him. I think for Greg's standpoint, he's like, we're going to put him out of business. I mean, I think on the front, I think on the front, he's saying, look, we want to work together and be a part of this. But I think, I think in the end, his end game is, look, we will control professional golf. Greg, Greg said he repeatedly contacted Jay Monahan to talk about this for years. Jay hasn't responded. This is a life member of your tour. A Hall of Fame golfer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All these things, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who's right in that situation? Yeah. No, you tell me. Who's right in that situation? If you don't answer the phone of a yeah. life member of your tour, a Hall of Famer, a guy who had an enormous impact on the success yeah. of that tour through the 90s, 80s, and 90s. Why wouldn't you have a chip on your shoulder? Yeah. Yeah. I think those are, I think those are valid yeah. points. I think as I understand, Pelly, Commissioner Pelly over in the DP world tour has, right. They have, he did sit down, he did review it and he, elected. He, 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 he listened to it and took it to yeah. his board. And there was right. a quick no, uh, there wasn't a, a conversation right now. No one knows why they said no, because right. they were in bed with the Saudis before Greg was in bed with the Saudis. So, um, you know, it's not like they've got a moral position that's any higher than anyone else. They were they were making money off the Saudis. Um, you know, it, again, Travis, I mean, this is such a, a deeper conversation on yeah. so many different levels. And, yeah. and, and the powers that be make decisions for whatever reason. And to your point, you're saying that uh, Jay feels the best way to win this is to blanket know everything. And um, Rory McIlroy, who's been basically the, the spokesman of the PGA Tour since yeah. this began, he said, no, it's time that we all get back in the same room and talk. And I think that he made a very valid point there is that it's obvious to all of us that we're going to exist in a world now of fractured tours. That yeah. We're not going to get the best of the best very often. And this was how you started the entire podcast is that this week, like we had at the US Open last month, we're going to have a situation where all the best players in the world are playing together and then they go away again, and that'll be the last time we see it until maybe the Masters in April, yeah. depending on how the world plays out. Yeah. Now, but Rory's point of, come on, guys, let's put everything aside and just talk about finding a solution, and yeah. that's what I'm all about. That, yeah. to me, is where golf needs to go right now. It's so blatantly obvious that that's where golf needs to go. But that takes the power brokers in the game having to just swallow a little bit and go, Okay. Yeah. Maybe I have to answer Greg's phone call. Maybe yeah. we need to talk about this. Let's see how this can work for the betterment of the game. And unfortunately, too much oxygen has been wasted on debating the points on whether this is right or morally correct or, you know, what people have been saying are being truthful and honest. You know, I'm a massive be authentic, be real person, always have been, always will be. That is all we have in our life is to be authentic and be real. And unfortunately, there hasn't been any authenticity coming from the top people in the game, and they need to be more authentic and get something done properly for the sake of everyone like you, like me, that has this game in their heart, deep in their soul. They can't wait to see another you know, tournament. They can't wait to get out and have another game. They can't wait to share it with their family and friends. This is what people are starting to get really annoyed about, and that's where we've gotten to, Travis. Yeah, there's a, that's well said, you know, it's, it's, it's well said. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the pod here today is to, is to give my audience 
that I think a bit more of this holistic and open-minded look in in conversation. Um, because I I have and I've tried and, I, and as you can hear me speaking as someone who's in the business, someone who uh, is a fan of the game, someone who has worked closely with the PGA Tour as you have the Golf Channel, golf as it exists up to this point, um, and then to see this LIV come in and, and hijack because of all the money they have. It's been very uncomfortable, but then also to be uncomfortable and take a step back and say, look, look at it from its totality, right? Have listened to voices like Luke, who's looking at it from a holistic approach. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but you got to listen to it, you know? And right. I think, and be I curious. think, yeah, you got to be curious. Yeah. I think that's the key word. I've written that down three times yeah. here today. As you said, that. Yeah. that's a, yeah. that's a key, that's a key word here. Curious. I'm curious in golf instruction, right? That's, that's, right. that's helped me develop in, in that sector of my business to be the best that I can be <clears throat> in running professional golf tours. I, you have to be curious, right? You have to be open-minded. And I think the regime and, and the background that the Saudi Arabia has certainly makes it more uncomfortable. And I think you have to be sensitive to that and what's happened over there with human rights issues and the killing of the reporter and this and that, like, like you have to be sensitive to all those things. Do you want to go into business with those kinds of people? So I think um, there, there's so many layers that we could talk for literally hours on this. And I think it could be fun maybe in a few months again to come back and kind of see where we're at again. Right. And just and continue the conversation, because it really is fascinating. I mean, um, you know, it just feels like what, two years ago, three years ago before the pandemic, like I felt like golf was still in this like kind of. And we're just never going to get there, this sport, you know, like we're just never going to get over the hump. And all of a sudden the pandemic hits and the silver lining, everybody's playing golf. There's people everywhere playing. Eh, golf's kind of boring. All of a sudden now here comes all this conversation in professional golf. I mean, people are playing, people are talking about the sport. I mean, it's like golf for all intents and purposes, whether it's good or bad, the conversation is real. It's being had and people are playing the sport and like it's going this way. It's crazy. It's awesome. Um, but this topic in professional golf being so close to it with you, um, I'm just fascinated to see where all this goes. And I think the next step, the next step now is going to be, I think over the next, let's say four to six months, does Jay Monahan, Greg Norman, uh, Mr. Pelly in, in Europe, they all start getting together and say, okay, do we, how does this work? You know, I mean, do we, do we have business together or, does the phone go unanswered? And if it goes unanswered and the lines are drawn and saying, we don't need you and you don't need us, professional golf is going to continue to get fractured. And that's where I stand. It's like, man, this is not good for professional golf. Like this is, well, that, that, this that'll is be, good. that'll be to the detriment of the PGA tour. If, if they don't answer the call, um, that's as simple as that. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that to upset people. I'm just being, honest and real that's exactly what will happen money will win out here whether people like it or not um you know the numbers that everyone's been hearing whether they're 100 percent factually true or not doesn't matter the fact is they've got more money than the pga tour it's simple as that and if they want to end the pga tour they will end the pga tour and the more that this goes on the less chance we've got of reconciliation so it takes a little bit of swallowing of pride and maybe we're not the biggest fish in the sea anymore. We need to just work this out together. How do we make it all work so we can coexist? All right. Good stuff. Let's agree. A few months, we come back, see where we're at. 
little. We're going to talk about about yeah. golf then as well. <laughs> well, actually, no. Wait, let's finish that. I want to talk about that because you're just pan your um hand your camera over for me real quick. Check this out, folks. I don't. Luke, I don't have. Luke has been with on. about. Luke has been with about golf longer than I have. So. I've been and, with about golf for uh, three years. There's uh, Adam on the on the wall there, and in fact, uh, Jack, Tiger, and Greg on the other side there. If you can see that poster, and then my simulator. But um, no, I I live up here in the cold climates, as we were discussing at the start, and yes. um, <clears throat> I opened up an indoor golf center sports bar called Can Golf, uh, filled with about golf simulators. Um, our season's only about five months long up here, so there's more indoor time than there is outdoor time. And to be honest, people have just arrived. They've loved it. The camaraderie in the game. And this is where I come from, Travis. More to the point of what you were saying is that we're connected by the game. Mm-hmm. Who runs it or not, you know, right. but we're connected by the game. And anywhere around the world, we can travel and we're bonded by the passion for golf. Yeah. And by having these simulators, uh, which without doubt the best in the market, um, you know, it, it's far superior to anything else out there for a reason. And uh, mate, it's been unbelievable connecting all these people through the game of golf year round. This is a part of the world where it was skiing season and it was golf season. Yeah. Um, but now it's it's golf season or, or golf all year round like I had growing up in Australia. And, you know, those that live down in Florida enjoy every year. Hey, even in the summertime in Florida when it's 95 and pouring, like, you know, my studio is almost done and I've only got one. I mean, yours is set up where you got three or four in a big, you know, restaurant bar type setting. But it's funny now the words getting out, people, you know, hey, I want to come in there and play golf in the summer. Right. It's, it's too hot. So, yeah, indoor <laughs> golf, indoor golf is, has, has taken off. And as you yeah. said about yeah. golf simulators are, are fantastic. I'm loving mine. And I mean, I can't wait till the whole thing is done so I can start entertaining with it, um, with right. groups. And, and that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's entertainment. Right. And it, you know, it's people say, Oh, is it top golf? I said, Oh, to, to an extent, but yeah. it's better than top golf because the great player loves it as well. If you go to top golf and you hit a couple of funky balls and a couple of targets, it's like, yeah, I'd rather sit down and have a few beers and a chat with my mates. Uh, but here in these simulators, it is a proper, authentic experience. The short game is legit. Uh, I just played the old course yesterday in preparation for the Open, you know, to watch it and just, you know, get the the, the undulations on the greens and the nuances of that incredible course. It's one of 86 courses we have at our fingertips on a daily basis. It's it's outrageously good. And, um, you know, if people are toying with the fact of getting a simulator, uh, I'd say this wholeheartedly is there is only one simulator you should buy, and that's about golf. They are the best. Good stuff, man. You brought it. I knew you would. Love the conversation. This was a lot of fun, Luke. We'll uh, we'll reconvene here in a, in, a, in a few months again and see where we're at. That sound okay? Right, Take right, care, buddy. mate. Enjoy Luke the Elvie, check him out at Luke underscore LV on Twitter. Right at Luke underscore LV on Twitter.